at Metro Praise, and time to testify. Can you just tell your neighbor, testify? Say that. Say, testify. Come on, I want to tell you something right now. Uh, I want to have a testimony about what God did for me at work. Um, coming from maternity leave, I had asked my manager a couple months ago that I wanted to come back part-time so I could be with my son more. And she gave me um, uh, an excuse that I couldn't do it and, and so on and so forth. And through a series of events, I found out that she had been lying to me, that she pretty much lied and said that I couldn't come back part-time, but really the opportunity was there. And, I, and if you could imagine, I felt like hoodwink, man. I felt like man, like this is no justice. I said, Lord, like this doesn't feel fair. I know I've been a good employee. I know I've been a good, uh, a good testimony at work, man. How come this is not happening for me? And, um, and so I prayed to the Lord, man. I asked for favor. I had uh, my husband pray for me and he gave me some words of wisdom to say, Hey, trust God. God's going to take care of you. God knows the desires of your heart. And, um, and I brought, I brought this situation back to my manager again. And, and uh, I was able to get part-time. So I'm going to start part-time in February. And that was such an answer to prayer. So let me encourage you this morning that, man, God knows your desires. He knows the things that you've been placing before him time and time again. And he hears your prayers. So let me read you a scripture right here that will encourage you and that encouraged me as well. Psalms 37, 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your, your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn and the justice of your cause shine like the noonday sun. Man, how many of you guys want to want to shine in this world and say, man, I'm standing for what's right, man. God's going to make your cause, make those desires of your heart come to pass in his will. So, man, if you're waiting on God for something and trusting him for something, know that God hears your prayers and he will answer in his time. Amen. Come on, let's pray together. Father God, we worship you this morning. We thank you that we can trust in your character, in your words, that you are good all the time. And God, we believe right now that those things that we place before your throne, God, we give them to you. We commit our way to you. We delight in you, God. And we ask that, God, you would um, answer our prayers, oh God. And we just thank you for being good. We ask that you would uh, inhabit our praise this morning. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Come on, give him a hand clap of praise this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. And put your hands together like this. Come on, he is good. Father, you are good. You are good all the time. We love your ways, Jesus. We worship you in this place. Hallelujah. We love you, God.
on. Do you believe that he's good this morning? Come on, all the time he is faithful. Let's sing it out this morning. Jesus, you are good. Come on, nothing and no one.
this morning. He is good. You are good, Jesus.
feel the Lord saying right now to trust in me? You're worried about everything else, but trust in me. Don't put your, your cares upon the rest of the world. Don't, don't keep looking for the world to solve your problems. Trust in me. The world can give you nothing, but I can give you everything. Don't doubt me. I've never, I've never forsaken you. Don't doubt me.
you are good. We thank you for your presence. We thank you, Lord, for your love. God, we're here for you. We're here because of you, God. We're here because we desire you. Father, I pray that we will be a church always hungry for you, Lord. Always in expectation, Lord God, to hear from your word and to be changed by your presence. In Jesus' name, bless the service, Lord. And everybody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. Come on, praise the Lord Jesus. Praise him because he has taken forth the throne and he waits for his saints to call out to him. If we can please just have a seat. And parents, please um, dismiss your children over to the sound booth as we send them back to the back for a little Bible study back there. Welcome to Metro Praise International, everyone. My name is Heriberto Gouveia. I'm the... Uh, Pastoral care. I do pastoral care here at Reese Park Campus. Jesus is coming back. He is coming back. The more the saints shout out to him, the more the saints call him out and not that Jesus come, Jesus will have his way and he's going to come. Father, we pray for the fear of God in our hearts and the hearts of the people here. Father, to know, Father, God, not to just consider a church of uh, uh, a punching, in and out thing, Father, but to experience you. Lord, let us remember that you're coming back and put the fear of God in us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord Jesus, amen. I'm going to start with a question here as I present you the gospel. Who's ever gone a day or two without showering? Okay, I know I've done that. And then you put on some clean clothes, you know, clean shoes, clean socks, right? Okay, I've done that before. Okay, I've gone. Okay, have you ever gone there too with the shower? You put on the clean clothes, clean socks, clean, you know, glasses, clean hats. You know, for the girls with jewels and makeup. Okay, who knows that still your body is full of dirt and dust and bacteria, right? That because of your makeup or your clothing that is clean from the outside, your body is still nasty and smelly and dirty. The armpits, you know. The only way your, your body can be cleansed and, and, and clean is if you take off that clothes and you jump in the shower and you turn on that water and you let the water run down your body and you scrub up that dirt and that dust, all those germs off yourself. That is the only way a body can be washed clean. Now, the way we have a body, we also have a soul, okay? And the soul gets dirty, Okay? Such things with unforgiveness, bitterness, slandering, gossiping, lying, theft, greed, selfishness, pride, lying. I said that already? Thank you. Okay? Now, the same way a body is washed off with water, see, the soul has a washing too, but it's not by water, by, by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah! Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on. Blessed be the lamb that was slain for the sins of this earth. Bless you, Jesus. Take my Bible out now. You can look to the screen. We read right there. First Peter chapter 1, verse 18 to 19 reads, 
For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty ways of life handed down to to you from your forefathers. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. The Bible is telling us that it's not by perishable things or silver or gold, you know, that you are redeemed of your sin. You can walk into church and have a beautiful smile and look dressed gray and, you know, talk it out great. But does it mean you're redeemed? There is still sin in the soul that, that only the blood of Jesus can clean. Amen? Jesus was blameless and with no defect. He was pure. He was innocent. And when Jesus came to earth as God's son, 100% man, 100% God, he sacrificed his life on the cross. Sacrificed. Because he loves us. Let me ask you something. If you found out a story of a man that killed five innocent children and he was put into trial and this man was given two options whether he's going to die in a electric chair or that's it or somebody can just come and take his place and go free who would take his position I will not let me tell you something that there is a God that loves us so much that he brought forth his son to take the punishment that we all have to serve because we are like that man there in the electric chair that, that deserves death, that deserves the punishment. Because we all sit in, in, in the eyes of, of a God that's holy and pure, righteous. We all have fallen short of his glory. Greater man is he who laid his life down for a brother. Only Jesus can do that and has done that for you and I. This morning, you have, you're, given, you're given the opportunity to receive the blood of Jesus, to wash your soul clean. Your body might be clean. Your clothing might be clean. Your, your, everything might be set up perfectly, but your soul still needs the washing of the blood of Jesus. This morning, God is giving you the opportunity to receive it. So if you can please stand with me with your eyes closed and your head bows down. I want us all to repeat with me for those. Just let's all repeat with me. Say these words. Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you for sacrificing your life for mine. I repent of my sin. I renounce my sin now. Come on, begin to renounce your sin. Right now, whether you feel the Holy Spirit convicting you of sin, right now renounce it. Say, I repent of so on and so forth. I renounce it now. I come against the spirit of bitterness. I bind it in the name of Jesus. Satan, I command you now to loosen God's people in Jesus' name. I come against the spirit of rebellion. I bind it in Jesus' name. I declare the blood of the Lamb over this people. Now. Let freedom come to your children, Lord. Oh, Lord, and I pray also, Father, that God, you will raise them up to be disciples that would change the world. 
In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Amen. If you pray that prayer with a sincere heart and you were honest about it, you know, God has forgiven you. God has washed you clean. Amen. And, and you know what? God wants to raise you up, not, you know, to be a, a world changer, a generation shaker, and a history maker. And we have a couple here that, that wants, wants to connect you to a discipleship program. And I want you to go up to them after we recite a confession of faith. Amen. Praise Jesus. If we can uh, raise your hand if you need a confession of faith sheet, if you want to read it off the sheet. Okay, we, we recite this uh, creed because it's a, a Christian worldview. We believe in it. So in the count of three, let's repeat after me nice and slow. Amen. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans in my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal believers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell should not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, give the Lord Jesus a praise like you've never done before. Come on. Give him a praise. Hallelujah. Come on. Take a few minutes to fellowship and hang out. And those that need prayer, go right ahead. Amen.
in the house of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't he good this morning? Come on. He never stops being good. I love this because, you know, it came to my realization that even if I'm having a bad day and I come to a Sunday morning service and I don't feel like worshiping and I don't feel like, man, I just don't feel what everybody else is feeling, God never stops being good. It's not like God has a bad day. Like you wake up one morning, I'm feeling bad. bad. You, God, you must be having a bad day. No, it's not that. God is good. And so when we realize that who he is, man, that your day will begin to turn around. Amen. I'm believing that. Welcome this morning uh, to a Sunday morning service every Sunday, 10 a.m. here in La Casa de Dios. Amen. Can we say that in Spanish just because we have a little culture in us? Amen. On the count of three, we're going to say in La Casa de Dios. Okay. One, two. Three in la. Amen. Hallelujah. That got sounded really good. Every Sunday, 10 a.m. here in the house of God. Amen. We also have some cool things throughout the week. Wednesdays, King's Kids. A ministry until children. Because how many of you guys believe that children need Jesus too? Come on, isn't it good that they learn about who God is at an early age? Believe it or not, it, it, it tells them about who God is. They understand and they begin to realize that men. There is someone out there looking over for me, and it is your job. Come on, how many of you guys have families, no little kids? Come on, raise your hands. How many of you guys know them? Bring them out Wednesday at 7 p.m., amen? And Friday, Elevate, we have a sermon series. Brace yourselves. Jesus is bringing sexy back. Okay, I know you guys are thinking, like, Jesus, can you count Jesus sexy? I kind of explain it to the youth like this. Like, if you look up the word sexy in a dictionary, it says alluring, sensual, and to ascribe that to God is really insulting. But you start thinking about the word, and how can God not be the sexiest? He invented sex. And so we're talking about it, and we're talking about it in God's plan and perfect way. You know what? It's good. Amen. Actually, I said this, the church should have been, be having the best sex. You guys are like, what? It is too early. Everybody's just like, sister here was passing out flowers. She stops like, what did he say? <laughs> Believe it or not, the Bible says there's between one man and one woman. And the Bible says a man was with his wife and they were not ashamed. Amen. In that context, we should be having the best, but in fact, there's a lot of shame. If you know any young person in this place, I'm telling you what, it is one of the biggest things that everyone deals with. Everyone deals with it. Bring them out this Friday at 7 p.m. Amen. Amen, amen. Praise God. We got some cool things. Life-changing devotions. Amen. Listen, it may be hard for you guys to get into the Word of God. I grew up in church, okay, since a young boy growing up in church. And when I gave my life to God, I still had the, the struggle of making it a discipline to get into the Word of God, okay? And I want to tell you what, you're not on the only boat. Like, man, I go to church, but I can't get in my word. I, it feels weird. We have ways to help you out, amen. Life-changing devotions, one day at a time. It's good stuff. It's good word for your soul, amen. So check us out on Facebook. Check us out online, lifechangingdevotions.com, amen. This coming Wednesday, it's this Wednesday, amen. Hallelujah. Last week I got it wrong. This week, this coming Wednesday, the Incredibles Family Fun Night. Give it up. Come on, come on. Y'all got to be excited for that. Dress up as your favorite superhero. I don't know about you guys, but come dressed up. I mean, have fun with this. It's the only time, not the only time, because really you can dress up any way or anything. You can dress up at home like Ricky and Rachel. They may dress up as Superman and Superwoman all the time. Amen. You guys got my back. But come up this Wednesday. Bring your family. I mean, you got the big screen. This is as close as movie style you're going to get for free. Amen. Hallelujah. So this Wednesday at 7 p.m. Amen. 7 p.m.? Bless the Lord. Amen. Moving on. 
here at Metro Praise, we believe that God loves you. <laughs> we believe that God loves you so much and he loves people. And that is our heart. That is our vision. To love God and to love people. Can you guys say that with me on the count of three? One, two, three. To love God and love people. God really wants to do that. And he uses people. The way we go about this, we're not just coming to church and saying, hey, this is the great thing. The band sounded good today. Can we give it up for the band? I mean, I'm part of it, but like, give it up for the band. It sounded great today. God is good. But really, it's not just to come in like, man, they're really good, and I'm going to record them. And none, none, none of that. It's more because God is really involved. And we're saying, God, we want you to do this in people's lives. Yeah, we're so serious about this. And so our strategy is to connect, mentor, and send. Connect you to Jesus because he's the life source. Like I said, the illustration, having a bad day. God is in heaven. He's not having a bad day. <laughs> you ever think to yourself, like, man, Jesus, you're having a bad day. Like, no, he's not. He's in glory. He's in heaven. And I want you guys to look at, like, Jesus, you have something. You have a plan for my life. Connect you to Jesus. Amen to you. Did you know that when Jesus was here on this earth, he spent time with 12 people, disciples, teaching them, sending them out. And then when he left in glory, he says, now I want you to go make disciples. It was never to say, well, Jesus can't mentor me, so I'm not going to join the discipleship program. That's never what it was supposed to be. Jesus said, hey, listen, Peter, go out and you get you some, amen? And he's looking at, all right, let's do this. And he went out, made disciples. As a matter of fact, his first sermon, 3,000 people get saved, y'all. Come on, now the power of God was with him. I'm telling you what, the same power of God is here today, and he wants to transform your lives. Are you willing? Are you wanting him to? Because let me tell you what, that day when Peter preached, there was more than 3,000 people there. There was a lot more, but 3,000 people said, man, God, I'm willing, come and touch my life. Are you willing this morning to get mentored, and then we send you out? When you go back home, you have something now that's different on the inside that nobody else may have. Who is it? It's called the Holy Ghost. God is a game changer. He's not going to let you be the same. If you're walking out this morning and you're staying the same, I, I, I come back and say, hey, what, what's going on, God? What's going on in my heart? God has the power to change your life. And when you tap, tap into Jesus, he does amazing things. Amen. We send you out back to your homes, to your jobs, to your families, to your uncles, to your aunts, to your brothers, your sister-in-laws, your mother-in-laws. Hello. They need to get saved too. Amen. You're like, amen. <laughs> amen. Get sent out into this world and change people's lives because God is in you. Amen. That's what we believe here, our vision. And our goal, 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches in 500 around the world. If you believe we can do it, come on and shout amen. Come on. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Our tithes and offering. We're going to prepare to uh, receive our tithes and offering right now. And I want to encourage you uh, with the word of the Lord. It kind of struck me Friday as I was in our discipleship with, uh, with the youth. You guys can open up your Bibles to Romans 8. Uh, Romans 8, and we'll start in verse 28 as we prepare to give our tithes and offering. And I, you know, this morning, you know, uh, there may be some of us here that, you know, are struggling financially. And there may be some of us here that may say, you know what, God has blessed me. And whatever side of the, the fence you may be in, I have a word for you this morning. I believe it comes from just like God's desire to encourage you to build you up as people. Uh, Romans 8, 28 says like this, and we know that in all things God works for the... Okay. And we know that in all things God works for the... The good of those who love Him and who have been called according to His purpose. 
Amen. Now let's fast forward to verse 31. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Did you guys catch that? You see, when God the Father sent his son Jesus into this world, you're thinking about it like a father being a good father. God is good, okay? You see, God is not the kind of guy when we come to him in prayer and say, man, God, we're afraid to ask dad, like, hey, dad, can you give me the keys to the car, you know, because I... You know, I'm 20 now, and yeah, I'm on the insurance. Or, man, you come up to God like, hey, can I have, a, can I have some cash? God, I just I want to go out and spend. I want to buy some things. And, you know, in our culture, we have that sense. We're like, we can't ask Dad for anything because he's not going to give it to us, and only if we do something extra great. The Bible says here in verse 32, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? You see that the best thing that God the Father can give you, the most treasured thing was his son? And he gave him for you, he gave his own life. You see, when we come to God in prayer, seeking him, it's not like, man, God, you don't, I can't ask for you for promotion. I can't ask you for this blessing. I can't ask you for this because I'm not sure if you want to give it. That might upset you. How much did God give his only son, the one whom he loved so much, for God so loved the world? Come on. Will he not give you these things? And so you can come to God boldly. Amen. It's not just coming here. Well, I don't know if God wants to do these things in my life. He does. It's the Father. He's graciously giving you Jesus. How much know like all these things are less? Like God, you know how trifling and so small it is compared to Jesus. He's just like, why aren't you asking me? Amen. So church, when you go back home, gather your family around. Say, God, use us. Bless this family in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read this. If you guys can stand to your feet, we have some cool ways online giving as well. Amen. We're going to read this verse so that the Lord can break off the greediness, the stinginess off our hearts. Amen. Luke 6, 38. Let's go ahead and read it. Give and it will be given to you. Come on. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. But with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Father, let us pray. Father, we thank you, God, because you're a just God. God, you bless us. And God, I just pray right now that God will be bold to come into your presence, God, and, and begin to ask of you for a blessing, God, so that you can use us to bless your people, to bless you, God, to bless your church. God, we pray for every family, every person represented here, God. You'll meet their needs continually, God, supernaturally. And God, as we continue to give, God, use us, Father, touch hearts, save people, save the nations. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on up as you give. Amen, amen. Welcome to Metro Praise. I want to uh, open us up in prayer. I just want to thank the Lord for his presence in this place. If you guys can bow your heads with me. God, we thank you so much for your presence here. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that your word would pierce our hearts, 
that would challenge us to grow in new levels in you and to fulfill the commands you have given to us. I pray that each and every one of us would be changed and transformed to walk in obedience to what you are calling us to do in this, in this season, in this time, in this body of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. I want to uh, invite you to our last message for our sermon series for the month of January. We have introduced you to Metro Praise International. A lot of you guys have been new to the ministry within the last six months. And so the staff got together and we just, we decided to introduce it to you. We want you to know who we are, what our heart is, what we stand upon. And so we called it YMPI. Say YMPI, a sermon series about us. And so we gathered together and we wanted to share with you through our connect, uh, through our strategy, three steps in our strategy phase uh, of connect, mentor, and send. We preached to you about our Pentecostal heart, our commitment to discipleship, and today you are going to hear about our biblical leadership. And right now, Pastor Joe, my husband, is preaching this same message at our Wicker Park campus. Somebody say amen. Thank you, Jesus. So you get to hear from me today. So we wanted to start the new year with an old vision because that is what God has called us to do. So if you can please turn with me in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 1, 1 through 4, and we will get right into this message. If you are there, say amen. If you are not, say oh my. Okay. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. Say seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us, say with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. So YMPI has come to you in this month because we want you to understand the seriousness of you having fellowship with us and with the Father and his Son. Reading on to John chapter 17, you can turn there if you want, but you don't have to. It will be on the screen. John 17, 20 through 23. Jesus prays, continues to pray after he specifically prays for the 12 disciples. He says, and my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Get that for just a second. Jesus prayed for us over 2,000 years ago after he specifically prayed for the 12 disciples. And he prayed for you and he prayed for me. And he says, I want them all to be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. He said, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. How many of you have believed in Jesus through the message that has been passed down through the years? And his prayer was that all of us may be one, just as you are in me and I am in you, he said to his father. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me. 
May they be brought to complete unity. Say unity. To let the world know that you set me and have loved them even as you have loved me. We have been called to have fellowship with the body of Christ and with the Trinity. And so we want every single one of you who are either new, you've been here for a while, and you haven't really gone through the discipleship process, we invite you to have fellowship with us, with the body of Christ and with the Holy Trinity. Somebody say amen. Week after week, you hear our vision of loving God, loving people, our strategy, our goal. I don't want this to get old to you. Our strategy is very, very simple, but it is so important to who we are and who God has called us to be in the city and for this end time, us preparing for a great harvest to come in. We have opened up our lives to you through the connect stage. We say, come, get involved, get plugged in through our weekly discipleship, our weekly life groups, get plugged into the cross. When you come to our services, we want you to connect, say connect. Mentor, we want to mentor you, get into your life, teach you the basics of Christianity and how to live free from sin and how to live an abundant life. And then the tool one, to learn how to defend your faith and understand the kind of family that God has called you through. So we have prepared books for you that Joe has written through all the years that we've started this. And you're going to hear about our story and our history. But when we say mentor, we mean it because why? We want to have fellowship with you. We want to have fellowship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit because this was what he commanded for us, to be discipled. So that was our 101 book. Here is our 201 book. And then we want to send you out through evangelism, through leading other people to the Lord, discipling them yourself. And I want to share with you some statistics before we move on. George Barna is a well-known Christian researcher. You guys have heard his name around here. Adam shared with us some statistics about discipleship. And he has spent years studying the decay of the modern church. And many, many of his statistics are just mind-blowing. And it just shows the modern church and its decay in the present form that we are in, especially the church in America. Only 14%, 14% of all Christians believe the Bible teaches absolute moral truth and is relevant to their everyday lives. Somebody say, we need biblical leadership. It rises and falls on biblical leadership. That is why we are presenting to you this message. I am here going to share with you our heart, what God has called us to do, what we have been doing for the past eight years. Only 23% of U.S. churchgoers attend small groups during the week. That means that they're not connecting. They're not plugging in somewhere, sharing life together as Christ has commanded us to. When the Apostle John wrote that, he was telling the people, we want you to have fellowship with us. As you have believed our message, come and have fellowship with us. Attending small groups is not just something to add on to make your life more complicated and busy. It's fellowshipping with the body of Christ. And only 29% of Christians volunteer one hour outside of the church service a week. I'm not sure if you've heard this, but it's kind of like an old saying, but it's still true. Usually only 20% of the people in a church do 100% of the work. And the other 80 just take up space. They're not evangelizing. They're not growing in leadership. 
They're not serving. They're not volunteering. Only 29% of Christians volunteer one hour outside of the church. Somebody say biblical leadership. Well, we came to you. We wanted to present to you our strategy and make it practical, make it tangible for you. So Joe, when he preached about our Pentecostal heart, he made it to you, he brought it to you in a way where it's like we are unashamed of the Pentecostal power of God, where we want to be filled, baptized in the Holy Ghost, and speak in tongues, where we unashamedly do it in our services through the mic. When you connect with us in our life groups and you get into the leadership's lives, you will experience the power of God. And in our mentorship, Pastor Adam came and he preached about our commitment to discipleship and he brought the challenge to you as a congregation and he said, it's not an option. Discipleship is for everybody. It's a command from Jesus himself. Be discipled. Go into the world and make disciples of all nations. It wasn't an option. It's a command for all of us to answer the call of discipleship. And here we are in the send how many of you will answer the call and say, I will be a leader in this generation. I won't just sit back and allow myself to be lulled to sleep. I am going to take a stand in this time, in this hour, and make a difference in my generation. Somebody say amen. I'm going to take some time right now to define our biblical leadership. The belief and practice of ordaining elders and deacons. Say elders and deacons who operate in the five-fold ministry, plus being accountable to other elders who represent the tradition of the apostles, the first 12. So we, you are going to be hearing elders and deacons throughout my whole message, elders and deacons, all the way through. And we find the biblical premises for this in 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 8. Here is a trustworthy saying. If anyone sets his heart, if anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. Deacons, likewise, are to be men worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. So we get this teaching, this idea of how the church is supposed to be set up in order and in authority. It's through the elders and it's through the deacons. And when we uh, ordain these elders and deacons, they will begin to operate in the fivefold ministry. And that's how we operate here at MPI. We uh, believe in the practice of ordaining them, testing them, and approving them through the discipleship process, which we will get into. And they are able to operate through that. And I just want to give you a little side note here. You know, there's a lot of people that just want to be a, you know, a part of a church where it's like, I want to be a part of the deliverance ministry. And I want to be in the healing ministry. And I want to be in the prophesying ministry. Guess what? Get tested. Get approved. Be discipled. Get ordained to be an elder and a deacon. And you can do all of that stuff. Amen? Let's do it in a biblical basis of how God has desired his church to be set up. You want to see deliverance? Be an elder and a deacon that serves in the church that has been tested and approved. You're preaching and teaching. You're discipling people. You will see the healings. You will see the miracles. You will see the demons cast out. But let's not just chase after those things. Let's be biblical in our pursuit of what God has called us to do. There are two forms of leadership that, have, that, were, uh, it, that was established and that was uh, modeled after for the first 300 years of the church. Number one, the two-level leadership structure is as follows. One, the elders worked together as a team to govern and teach the churches. 
and uh, two, deacons assisted them with the work. So that is the first form of leadership, which is the two-level. Number two, which is the three-level leadership structure, is one, the elder, one elder would be named the bishop, and he would be considered the leader and the teacher of the other elders, which was called the presbytery. Say presbytery. And all that word means is a group of elders. And the three, the deacons, would serve the presbytery and the, and the bishop. If you guys desire to know more information about this and how this evolved through our church history, please go to our book, Disciples of the First Disciples by Joe Y. Rostick. It's on our website, mpichurch.org, under books. Very informative. It will be very beneficial for you to, to understand that. So here at MPI, we follow the basis of the three-level leadership structure. So we have, in number one, we have the apostolic elders, which Joe and I fill that role and position here at MPI in Chicago. We are the bishop, the main overseeing elder. And then number two and number three, we have our pastoral elders and our governing elders, and they are our presbytery, the group of elders that work together to govern and teach the church. Amen? And number four are deacons, and the deacons are called to assist the elders, and all the work of the ministry. They are here to serve, come early, stay late. Now I want to share with you some of the qualifications for leadership in this structure of elders and deacons. And as I'm speaking, I want you to think about what God may be calling you to do. I want you to be introspective as I'm working through these uh, definitions and the qualifications and I want you to understand that God is calling you to a higher place and like I've said before in, in my message over the retreat God didn't just save us to go to church he saved us to be the church and to flow through this level of leadership so that the lost and dying world can, t can continue to be saved amen so deacons the qualification to become one is that you are a 201 graduate and you fulfill the requirements of 1 Timothy 3 that I just finished reading. So that means if you're in the 101 right now and you're saying, I want to be a deacon, well, get, stay faithful, pass the 101, and get into the 201. And upon graduation, you can be ordained as a deacon in this ministry. The governing elders are faithful as a deacon in leading a life group. So as you have seen in our graduation in November, we had a whole bunch of people pass through these different uh, stages and one example that I want to paint the picture with is David and Monica. They served faithfully as deacons, and they got ordained as governing elders. Why? Because they served as deacons. They assisted governing elders at that time. Then they got branched out. They started their own life group. They were bearing fruit, pouring into people's lives, and they got ordained as governing elders. Pastoral elders have a reputable Bible college degree and are faithful as governing elders. So that is what sets apart governing elders from pastoral elders is that Bible college degree. And let me tell you, not everybody's called to go to Bible college and not everybody's called to be a pastoral elder. There is no pressure there, but we are all called to be leaders. Believers are to be leaders, to change the world for Jesus and be a disciple that makes a disciple. So if you are in this place and you're saying, hey, I'm not called to Bible college, it's okay, but will you be a deacon or a governing elder in the place that God has called you to, to fulfill his commands for your life? And apostolic elders, the church planter in a new city, state, or country where MPI has never been, faithful as a pastoral elder and leading a ministry. Again, just to paint the picture for you, Joe and I stand as the apostolic elders over MPI in Chicago, 
and we have our Wicker Park campus, and uh, Chris and Vanessa are the pastoral elders there. So we don't technically need apostolic elders there because we're already, Joe and I are here over the city. But if Chris and Vanessa were to move to a different state or to a different country overseas and plant a church there, they would become the apostolic elders in that region. Say that makes sense. Okay, so here we go. We're going to break it down and make it tangible, make it practical for you, okay? I want you to put yourself in this place because this message is a call for you to answer our biblical leadership. Will you be a part of that one day? Deacons and governing elders are lay people. Say lay person. No Bible college degree is necessary. You are called to work a non-ministry job for income. So the elders, the, the deacons and the governing elders in MPI, who many of you see, okay, many of them are your life group leaders, or you see them serving around the church. They do not have a Bible college degree. They are called to either be police officers, nurses, teachers, factory workers, construction workers, okay, asbestos inspectors. Whatever you are called to do, starting your own business, being a receptionist, being an administrator, wherever you are called to do, do it do it all for the glory of God because that is where God has placed you and you do all things as unto him. So be faithful in that calling. Be faithful to the profession that God has given to you. And at the same time, you should desire this noble task of governing his church and governing the people of God so that more souls can become can come into the kingdom, so that more people can be disciples to make other disciples. So the call for you is will you stand up and say to the Lord, I will be a leader in this time in my life i will be a leader in this generation and i will serve my local church through being a deacon and a governing elder with a profession that you've given to me being faithful to give to the lord through that and we have awesome examples of men and women of god whether they're married or single who have served in this way and our pastoral elders and the apostolic elders are our clergy and they have a need to have a Bible college degree in order to have that role and title, and they are called to work a ministry job for income. So guess what? We can't have everybody getting paid from the church. So if all of you guys were called to be pastoral elders, nobody would be tithing, okay, for these people to get paid. So we want you to work those jobs because not everybody's called to be in full-time ministry. Pastoral elders and apostolic elders are for those who have the full-time call of God in their life, and they cannot imagine doing anything else for the rest of their life. They are called to preach and teach, marry, bury, and baptize for the rest of their life. Amen? Amen. So here is our story and our history. And it is so exciting that I get to preach this one because it just so happened that I was going to preach the last um, week in January, and Joe's preaching the same message at the Wicker Park campus, but this picture on the left is where we started. So we started in January of 05 as a Bible study in our house, but when we first launched out as a church plant, we were in this Methodist building, and if you could see, there's probably a dozen people there with Joe leading worship on the guitar. That is how many people we have now just in our pastoral staff. Somebody praise Jesus for that. All glory and honor goes to Jesus. And then the other picture, you know, some other people. But I got to tell you, you know, back in those days, it was just me and Joe, pastoral elders. No elders, no deacons, nobody else. Probably half of these people were in the 101. 
We were the janitors. We were the worship leaders. We were the preachers. We were the ones that did rides. We were the evangelism team every Saturday to Belmont and Clark, handing out chocolate in the winter, freezing cold, doing outreach in the summertime. And that's what it looked like day in and day out, being faithful to what God has called us to do. And as we go through this story, I'm going to talk to you about how had it not been for certain people coming through in the last eight years, you would not be able to be in this church right now seeing all that is done behind the scenes. In 1998, Joe graduated Bible college at 22 years old. 1999 to 2004, he planted and pastored his first church in New Orleans. 2005, after a brief time of being a youth pastor, Joe started Metro Praise in Chicago with Nancy. At the age of 28, I was 22, under the eldership of Reverend Anthony Freeman. 2005 to 2012, after seven years, Metro Praise merged with Metro Praise International, and today MPI has 31 elders and deacons and is under two apostolic elders, Reverend Anthony Freeman and Reverend Ron Allen, who together possess over 80 years of full-time ministry. So we are held accountable in-house, and we have elders outside who oversee us and make sure that we're doing things right. And I want you to understand that there are so much that happens with these 31 elders and deacons over these eight years that have been developed who said, I will answer the call to stand up and be a leader in this church, in my generation, to see the lost saved and to see disciples made. We didn't have this before. If you could go back to the other picture, okay, it was Joe on the guitar. That's it. We didn't have a sound man. We didn't have Joselito doing rides. Do you know that Joselito picks up and drops off people every Sunday who don't have a ride to church? Yes. Give it up for Joselito. By the grace of God, he serves faithfully as a deacon here. And I can go through all, all of them, our whole worship team, the practice and the hours that go into it, our life group leaders, who many of them are governing elders and pastoral elders who serve you, open up their hearts to pour into you, the one-on-ones that are happening all throughout the week. Why? Because those people through the past eight years raise their hand and say, I will answer the call to biblical leadership. I understand that I must be under authority and over authority. And I understand that this biblical leadership of elders and deacons is applied to my life and is a calling that I must be obedient to because God has ordained it. Amen. We could not be MPI today, if it wasn't for these 31 elders and deacons who have faithfully served, faithfully come early, came early, stayed late, went through the 101, the 201, countless rebukes, many encouragements, okay? All of that because they understood what time it was. It's time to win a lost and dying world to Jesus. They understood that it was time to make disciples and put themselves in a place to be leaders. Amen. Seven things every Christian is commanded to do. We're going to get in the word right now. Say, uh, say I'm going to work the word because the word will work for me. So seven things every Christian is commanded to do. Number one, obviously, be born again. Okay? Be born again. According to John 3, 3, in reply, Jesus declared... I tell you the truth. He had to preface that. He was not lying. 
I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. So if you are in this room and you say, hey, I would love to be an elder or deacon one day, you must be born again. Number two, be filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts 2, 38. And if you're taking notes, they're on the screen. Please jot them down. You can read them later. Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We desire in this church and it is commanded in scripture that you be filled with the Holy Ghost and power and his fire. Number three, be in a good church under godly leadership. Hebrews 13, 17. And I want to get into this a little bit. Obey your leaders. Somebody say, obey your leaders. And submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. If you're in this place and you're saying, well, you know what? I don't really need to obey man, and I don't really need people to tell me what to do and to get into my business. I just want you to understand, okay? This is not something that we made up here. This is coming directly from the word of God. Obey your leaders. There are leaders in your life for a reason. They are held accountable by God for your very soul. The things that we tell you are not because we want to be mean to you or we want to make your life hard. It's because we live in the conviction of the Holy Spirit that if we do not warn you of things you must turn away from, if we don't encourage you and challenge you to change and to keep on growing, we will be held accountable by God himself. And if you look at biblical leadership as an umbrella, if you are under an umbrella outside, when it is storming, lightning, wind is blowing, okay? When you have an umbrella, you feel safe because at least you're not getting wet, okay? You have to come under that umbrella of protection that God has given to you. There is safety and the authority of leadership over your life. And it doesn't matter what stage you're in here. You can be here for the first time. You could just come every now and then, 101, 201. But you have got to come and hold yourself accountable to biblical leadership in this church. Why? Because it is God's umbrella of protection over your soul. Because once you step out of that, you are open prey for the enemy. I don't think many people in the church today understand the protection that is upon them when they submit themselves to godly leadership in a church. There are things that you don't, uh, that don't happen to you because God is preventing it. There are things that the enemy cannot bring against your path because God is preventing it. Why? Because that, uh, authority of leadership over your life is like a protection, like an umbrella against all the fiery darts that the enemy is throwing your way. So if you've been here and you have a struggle with that, I just pray that you seek the Lord and ask him to humble you and to help you submit yourself to somebody even if they are younger than you because age doesn't matter obey them so you're so that their work will be a joy and not a burden because it says that's not going to be an advantage to you at all number four be discipled and obey all of god's commands say be discipled and obey all of the commands not just some of them all of them okay here we go matthew 28 18 through 20, then Jesus came to them and said, 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We see that fellowship there with the us. He wants us to be united with him, united with each other as we go forth and preach the gospel to all the nations and make disciples. We baptize them. Then he assures us that he's going to remain with us. That fellowship there with the body of Christ following his commands is a powerful thing. Are you ready to do that? Are you ready to lay aside your your idea of what Christianity is, your idea of, you know, where you've come from and what you've been taught and say, I am going to see the scriptures fresh and anew like it's the first time and hear God speaking to me. Number five, be a gospel preacher. March 16, Mark 16, 15. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Preach the good news to all creation. Say all creation. Number six, be a leader. Say, be a leader. A disciple that makes new disciples. Again, we find the basis for this in Matthew 28, 18. And number seven, be in love with God and people. Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Somebody say love God and love people. So if you are a Christian in this room, in this church, these are the seven things that you are commanded by scripture to do. Be born again. Be filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. Be in a good church under the godly leadership. You be discipled and obey the commands of God on your life. Be a gospel preacher. Be a leader. A disciple that makes new disciples and be in love with God and people. So biblical leadership, how does it flow? Everyone should desire to do it. Say everyone. Women are allowed to do it. Can I get an amen by the women? We're going to get into that. You are called to do it. Say, I am called to do it. So why MPI? Here we go. We're going to be talking about three things that you can apply to your life to become a part of what God is doing in this church based upon our biblical leadership. Number one, everyone can set their heart on being a elder or deacon. Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. And we're going to read that scripture together because that, uh, that is the basis of scripture that we, we get the understanding of elders and deacons and desiring that task and what the requirements are and things that you should be uh, aspiring to do in your life as, as a Christian. So 1 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 7. Here is a trustworthy saying. If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. Now the overseer must be above reproach, the husband of but one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well. 
and see that his children obey him with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. That's pretty serious. Say that's serious. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's traps. Moving on to verses 8 through 13. Deacons likewise are to be men worthy of respect. So everything that applied to an elder, where it says here deacons likewise, do likewise. Everything that was put under the, uh, the standards for, a deacon, for an elder need to be applied now to the deacon's life. So likewise, they too are now to be men worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, say be tested, and then if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, their wives are to be women worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be the husband of but one wife and must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. Somebody say amen. God established order in the church and it flows through the office of an elder and a deacon. And that position is a position of humility. It's a position where you say, I am here to serve. I am an open book for all to read me. I will allow people to come into my life. I will teach them everything that God has taught me. I will lead in humility. I will lead in the fear of the Lord, filled with the Holy Spirit and fire, with his word burning like a fire in my bones because I'm weary of holding it in. And you're taking a stand in this generation. You're going to be a voice for the voiceless. You're going to preach the gospel to the lost, to this dying world. And you're going to take it to your families. You're going to take it to your neighborhoods. You're going to take it to your workplaces. Because we are just not called now to sit back. If for the past eight years we were able to day in and day out develop these 31 elders and deacons because they were willing to be obedient to the call. What will the next eight years look like for MPI? Will the rest sitting in this room say, I want to do that. That's me. I'm going to strive to be faithful to the discipleship process that has been established here at Metro Praise International. I will be faithful to go through the 101. I will be faithful to complete the 201. And upon God's grace as I graduate, I will serve faithfully as a deacon until I'm appointed a governing elder and I will allow God to use my life to minister to other people because it can't just be about us. Our goal at MPI is not to only have two churches in Chicago. What's the number we want? How many churches do we want in this city? 50 churches. And guess what? There's no way that's going to happen. If now, if we're looking at the next 30 people and saying, hey, come on, come join the leadership here. Get ordained to be a deacon or an elder as you go through the process of discipleship of, being, uh, discipleship of being tested and approved, being obedient to God because we cannot grow without you. I'm going to ask you again, what do you want the next eight years of MPI to look like? 
Because I'll tell you what, it's not going to be only 31 elders and deacons. That number, if it doesn't double, it will probably triple. Why? Because two people, me and my husband, starting eight years ago, can do much more damage to the kingdom of, of hell with 31 elders and deacons who are radical for Jesus. But guess what? We need more. Because within the next two years, we are planning to launch out, as you heard Joe announce uh, in the beginning of the, of the year, we are getting ready to launch out one of our pastoral elders, Adam. And our goal and our dream and our prayer is that within the next two years, as he continues to serve faithfully as a pastoral elder, and you here continue to grow and be discipled, we will be able to launch him out with a team of elders and deacons who have been tested and approved, ready to win that area to Jesus, to preach to the lost, to do the evangelism, to lead the outreaches, to have a worship team, to have people situated and ready to do the 101s and the 201s. So the call goes out to you here. Where do you want to be in the next two years? For some of you, that's kind of hard to, to kind of think about because it's too close. Oh, in two years, you know, I don't know if I'll be ready in two years. That's too early for me. Well, what do you want to do in 10 years? You still want to be in the same place you are in the next 10 years? We got to do something for the kingdom of God on this earth because, again, we are not just called to come in here. If everybody just sits back and lets just the, the pastors do it and then just some of the deacons and some of the elders who kind of felt like that was just for them because it's not really for everybody, you're allowing this city to go by without hearing the gospel, without taking a stand and saying, I will be the one to disciple somebody, to bring somebody into my house, to teach them the truths of the scripture. It's time to take a stand, to take your place. And to be obedient to the vision that God has called us to do here and to the commands that are clearly laid out for us as Christians and believers in the scripture. It's, it's clear. I want us to go back to that really quickly before I go on to my next point. Every Christian is commanded to be born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, be in a good church under godly leadership. Be discipled and obey all of God's commands. Be a gospel preacher. Be a leader, a disciple that makes new disciples, and be in love with God and people. If there are people in this place, if that is you, this is speaking to you, and you're saying to yourself, well, I kind of fulfill some of those. I want to challenge you today to rise up and take a stand and say, God, use me for your glory. Use me for the plans and purposes you have for my life because I understand that it's not just about me. Church is not for me just for me something to attend. It's something for me to do and be and work in. Amen? That brings me to my second point. Women can and should be in leadership. And the reason why this is so important for us to address is because there are many people in the Christian world that do not believe that women can be in ministry. They do not believe that women should preach and teach and have authority over a man. They do not believe that women should have places of authority as in the elder and deacon role. They are just to come and submit quietly and just kind of learn and listen and maybe serve in the background. But we do not believe that. Okay, we believe that there were cultural limitations put on women in that time when Paul addressed the church, the congregation. I believe it's in the city of Corinth. Jared? Yes? Amen. Okay? But we believe that that was cultural, that it was not something that was set as law for 
for generations to come. We believe that women have held and did hold places, not only now, but in the New Testament church. So it would be like this, okay? The cultural limitations of women should be no more enforced in today's church than we would enforce men to greet each other with a holy kiss. So I want to I wanna give a little illustration. So I'm going to get Jared and Ishmael to come on up here. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I was going to have them do a holy kiss, okay? You guys don't want to do that? Okay. Hey. Okay. So if, if, if we want to say, hey, back then in the scriptures, Paul didn't allow the women to teach. Okay, if you want to put that on us today, then all you men, when you see each other, you've got to give, your, give yourself a holy kiss to each other. Like, that's on the lips, okay? That's on the lips. So we can't do that. We have to be scriptural and, and, just, and be able to dissect the truth out of everything that has, you know, cultural limitations and, and how to, it applies to us today. So Acts chapter 2 17 through 18, it says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Say, all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Acts 18, 26, when Priscilla and Aquila, Priscilla and Aquila were a husband and a wife, heard him speaking about Apollos, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more accurately. So here you have a husband and a wife serving in a role of being able to teach this young man. Romans 16, 1, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a deacon in the church in Centria. So if we were just to go based on the direction that Paul gave the Corinthian church about how women were supposed to cover their heads and not speak and not have authority over man, then why in the world is this sister's name being labeled with the title of a deacon? It was being done. It was a cultural, um, specific thing that he was doing in that church at that time to bring order. But it wasn't for all times, for all people, you know, in all places. And then in Acts 17, we have Greek... Andronicus and Junius, say Junius, that was a female, okay? Despite all the controversy that goes on behind that, because many people think that that's a male, it, is, it was a female. My relatives who have been in prison with me, they are outstanding among the apostles. So Junius was an apostle, and they were in Christ before I was. So here we have the apostle Paul honoring these men and women who are serving as apostles serving as deacons with these titles. And he's saying they were even in Christ before I was. So he's honoring them. Women can and should be in leadership. If you are a woman, I want you to say, I can and should be in leadership. So let's take a deeper look at this because I want you to understand how serious this is. And if this, this has come against us, okay? We, when we um, first rented this storefront a long time ago, we had these posters in the, in the windows, okay? And then it says pastors, Joe and Nancy with our picture because, you know, we thought it was cool. It wasn't a good idea. But it said pastors, plural, Joe and Nancy Wyrostek. So we had, like, this couple come in, and the wife, you know, goes, she goes up to me. She's like, do you think that you're a pastor with your husband? I said, yeah, I do. And, and then that was it, you know? 
And so later we find out because she ends, her husband ends up calling my husband or emailing him or something, and we find out that they didn't agree with that and it was unscriptural for me to be put on there, you know, with the title of a pastor with Joe. And so, I mean, I mean, Joe gave it to them like it was, Joe got on it like it was white, like white on rice, okay? He was like, no, 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 you are not going to come here like that, okay? This is a scriptural truth. So you want to talk about my, my wife not being in leadership, I'm going to tell you because then the wife tried to get into it. I think I'm going to the story too much. And, he, and then he kind of turned it on them like, hey, you need to be quiet now. I'm going to talk to your husband. If you think that way, then you take your place and let me talk to your husband, okay? Enough said there. Hopefully they don't find this message. It's okay. Number one, women have the same salvation as men, okay? According to Galatians, yes, come on. According to Galatians 3.28. So if I don't have a different recommendation or a different way of being saved and receiving my salvation from a man, then it shouldn't be put on me in any other way in ministry that I have to do something differently, amen? Here we go. I went too far ahead in my notes. Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Women have the same Holy Spirit baptism as men. According to Acts 2.8, women do not receive a different Holy Spirit, a weaker one, a more feminine one. It is the same Holy Ghost that is in the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are baptized with fire. Same way that men are, okay? So in Acts 2.18, even on my spirits, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Number three, women have the same spiritual gifts as men, according to 1 Corinthians 12.28. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to teach others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking different kinds of tongues. All the gifts that are found in scriptures, when you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, earlier on, on in the chapter, us, you know, the words of wisdom, words of knowledge, okay? It doesn't mean men are going to get this and women are going to get that. It has no basis for that. We receive the same spiritual gifts as men do. And number four, therefore, women must have the same offices as men, according to Romans 16, 1 and 7. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in Centria. In another version, it says a deacon. A deacon is just another word for servant, Okay, so if you're saying, hey, I don't want to be a deacon up in this church. Well, you don't want to be a servant of all. Okay, greet Andronicus. That's all. That's what it's saying. Hey, I don't want to be. Well, you don't want to serve God's people then because it's all about me, 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 me. Okay, let's not be that way. Let's think about the loss. Let's think about the church that Jesus came to establish. He did not come to institute a religion. He came to start a revolution that has not died out through the centuries built upon the elders and deacons, going forth into all the world, making disciples and baptizing them. Amen? Women in the ministry throughout the years, I want to introduce to you some powerful women of God. I have about three of them. Some are from before our time. Amy Semple McPherson. She was a 20th century evangelist, a woman ahead of her time. She established an evangelistic ministry 
and built a large evangelistic center at a time when women were expected to just marry and bear children. And women were supposed to leave the religion and other important pursuits to men. But God had a plan for her life that did not take into account human ways of doing things. As an evangelist, she preached the gospel not only across the United States, but also around the world. Amy Semple McPherson incorporated the cutting-edge communications media of her day. People were healed by the thousands in her crusade meetings, in her revival meetings. Thousands would come to her. People were coming out of wheelchairs. People with cancers would come and be healed. When she prayed for them, they were healed. But she herself took no credit for the healings, instead giving full credit to God. Catherine Kuhlman was an American faith healer and evangelist as well. Believers of all persuasions, Catholic, Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Episcopal, whatever it was, it didn't matter. They flocked to her meetings to be healed or filled with the Holy Spirit. As they read about in the book of Acts, great things have been done through the hands of women. God has used women all throughout scripture. And in, just in our time here in the 20th century, many of us weren't even born when she was here and she was alive. Though she called herself an ordinary person, the effects of her ministry were anything but ordinary. Catherine was one of a handful of ministers after World War II who prophetically reintroduced the Holy Spirit and his gifts to the body of Christ on the earth. And it was proven and has proven the greatest revival of all time, the, charis the charismatic renewal. And for today, some of you may um, be more familiar with somebody like a Joyce Meyer. She serves as the elder in her ministry. She obviously has her husband on, by her side. She submits to him in the marriage and in the ministry as a whole, but she is the voice, the mouthpiece, the, the preacher and the teacher. Joyce Meyer is one of the world's leading practical Bible teachers. She has used her books that have helped millions of people find hope and restoration through Jesus Christ. She speaks openly and practically about her experiences so others can apply what she has learned to their lives. Over the years, God has provided Joyce with many opportunities to share her testimony and the life-changing message of the gospel. She is an incredible testimony of the dynamic, redeeming work of Jesus Christ. Say, women can and should be in leadership. Amen. Brings us to our third point. It's your job to pass on the traditions of the apostles. In 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 2, it says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. So we are saying to you, Metro Praise International, men and women, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard us say in the presence of many witnesses, we want you to entrust that to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. And basically what that is saying is, we want you to be a disciple that makes other disciples. If you could stand up to your feet with me as the worship team comes up. I'm going to read a few quotes from Ignatius, who was one of our church fathers. He was a disciple of the first disciples. He was a disciple of the Apostle John. And many of those men who were the disciples of the very first disciples served then 
and became our church fathers that carried on the traditions and the, the truth of the scriptures and passed them down. Ignatius converted to Christianity at a young age. Later in his life, he was chosen to serve as the bishop of Antioch, seceding St. Peter. And like I said, he was one of the church fathers. He based his authority on being a bishop of the church, living his life in the imitation of Christ. And he was um, believed to be one of the disciples of Apostle John, along with his friend Polycarp. And this is what Ignatius, standing as a bishop in his city, speaking to the congregation, this is what he was sharing with the people. Now it becomes you also not to treat your bishop too familiarly on account of his youth. Basically saying, hey, don't treat the bishop, your elder, don't treat him too, too casually, too familiarly because he may be younger than you. But to yield him all reverence, having respect to the power of God the Father, as I have known even holy presbyters do, not judging rashly from the manifest youthful appearance of their bishop, but as being themselves prudent in God. Show them respect. Show your bishop respect. Submitting to him, or rather not to him, but to the Father of Jesus Christ, who is the bishop of us all. So what he is saying is, when you honor and revere and respect your elder and your bishop, you are doing it as unto Jesus. And don't look down on him or become too familiar with him and get comfortable just because he's young. It is therefore fitting that you should, after no hypocritical fashion, obey your bishop in honor of him, capital H, in honor of him who has willed us to do so. Since he that does not, if you don't, if you don't do it, you deceive, so, so he that does not, so deceives not by such conduct, the bishop that is visible, he's saying if you don't honor them, if you don't respect them, you're not deceiving the bishop that, that you can see, the one that's visible but seeks to mock him that is invisible. Ooh. And all such conduct has reference not to man, but to God who knows all secrets. Honor, respect, revere your elders. Because he's saying if you don't do that, you are mocking God himself who is invisible and you, by acting that way, if you're acting pridefully, if you're acting disrespectful, if you don't want to get under the authority, acting in such conduct is not a reference against the people serving you as leaders, but it's to God because he knows all secrets. He continues on and he says, I exhort you to study to do all things with a divine harmony while your bishop presides in the place of God and your presbyters in the place of the assembly of the apostles along with your deacons who are most dear to me and are entrusted with the ministry of Jesus Christ who was with the Father before the beginning of time and in the end was revealed. Do all then, imitating the same divine conduct, Pay respect to one another and let no one look upon his neighbor, neighbor after the flesh, but continually love each other in Jesus Christ. Let nothing exist among you that may divide you, but be united with your bishop and those that preside over you as a type and evidence of your immortality. That is powerful. This is our church father 
these men carried on the message and the traditions of the first disciples, the ones who had heard, had seen, and touched Jesus himself. These have been passed down from generation to generation to generation and have been brought before you today. What will you do? Metro Praise International. Whether you have started the 101 or not, this message is for you. It doesn't matter if you are in the 101 or the 201. If you are here today, I want you to know that you should desire to do biblical leadership according to the scriptures, according to the order of being an elder and a deacon. Because And women, you are allowed to do it, and you are all called to do it by the grace of God. And it's not something that you do in your own power. It is the fire of God inside of you. It is your passion for Jesus Christ, your passion for souls, your love for God, your love for people and the body of Christ. And you're saying, guess what? I, it's me. I, I, I just I can't stop just thinking about myself. Help me, Jesus, stop just thinking about my four and no more. With all eyes closed and heads bowed all across this place, I want you to be honest with the Lord right now. For those who have heard this message and you've gotten the point of this, when we share with you our vision week after week after week, we don't do it to bore you. Our vision is something that is alive inside of us. It is something that we do and believe day in and day out to love God and to love people. Ask yourself, are you doing that to the fullest capacity? Those are the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us was to love him and to love people. Because when you love God, you will do what he commands you to do. Loving God is not based on your emotion. It is based on your obedience obedience to his commands and then loving people means that you have a heart to see them saved you have a heart to see them grow in the Lord and then what we share with you every week our strategy of connect mentor and send that doesn't get old to us we want you to hear it every week because we want it to take root in your spirit and become alive inside because it is the commands of Christ. And connect, mentor, and send. So my question to you as you are meditating on the Lord and you're seeking him right now, will you answer the call to be sent out, to evangelize to the lost, to be a disciple yourself that makes other disciples, to come early, to stay late, to one day open up your house to have a Bible study, as a life group leader, to be ordained as a deacon and an elder, to serve God's people who will continually be coming in these doors, lost, not knowing God, needing somebody to pour into them. Will that be you this morning? Jesus. If I could have Berto come up and move this table, we're going to open up the altars. And I'm going to call, uh, I want to have all my elders and deacons to come up and line across this um, this stage and is it possible Ricky and Ish for you to be altar workers I want all of you guys to come up right now elders and deacons all across this stage if you are here this morning and you're saying I may not be ready right now 
but I am going to be faithful to be a disciple, to be mentored, to allow godly leadership, to have authority in my life, to speak to me, to challenge me, to help me to grow. With eyes closed right now, I want you to think to yourself, you may not be ready right now, and that's okay, but our charge to you, our challenge to you is be obedient to God. Because loving him means that you will obey his commandments. And our call to you is to come now. And you're saying, yes, that is going to be me. For the next eight years of Metro Praise International's growth, I want to play a part in that. I want to be a leader. It doesn't matter if you're 14 years old, 18 years old, 38, 58, 68. Right now, I want you to come. Come right now to the altars. Come to these men and women of God who have been tested and they've been approved. They've served you faithfully. They preach and teach the gospel with sound doctrine. I want you to come. You're coming to Jesus and you're saying, God, use me. Don't leave me by myself. Don't leave me to my own devices. His plans and purposes for your life are greater. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you. We thank you, God, for disciples that are being made in this place. I thank you, God, for the faithful elders and deacons who have served in this ministry over the years. We give you glory, honor, and praise for the church that you are establishing in this city. It is not our work. It is your work. And we say, God, use me just as I am. I want to be discipled. I want to be tested and approved. I want to serve in your church as an elder and a deacon one day so that I can see the lost saved. I want to see lives transformed for people to be healed, for the gifts to be an aberration in my life. I want to be used, God. Hallelujah, Jesus.
press in this morning. Go after God with everything inside of you. If you're still sitting down, I want to challenge you. Be obedient to God, to his call for your life. The church in America needs biblical leadership. We must restore the commands of Jesus. Restore what God sent his son Jesus to do. We're not here to have a club, to start a clique. Establish the church of Jesus Christ, built upon the elders and the deacons, in which the gates of hell cannot prevail. You must be a part of that. Answer the call to be a part of that, to be a leader in our generation, to be a mouthpiece. God will use you for his glory.
presence in this place, God. I pray that this word would burn inside of our hearts this week, that we wouldn't be able to escape it. You wouldn't allow us to forget it. Maybe for those that didn't respond for whatever reason, God, I pray for conviction. I pray that this word would speak so loud into their spirit that you would call out their name and tell them it's time to take a stand. It's time to be a leader. God, I thank you for all that you've done in Metro Praise through the past eight years. We give you glory, honor, and praise for our history, for the stories of men and women of God who gave it all up for you, Jesus, that we could stand here today upon their sacrifice, upon their love for God and people so that we can win a dying world for you. I thank you for all of our faithful elders and deacons, Jesus, who are making disciples and are being discipled, God who are making a change in their city. And God, we are declaring for more to come because this is your church, your vision, and you will accomplish the purpose for which you have us here. We give you the glory and we thank you in advance for every man and woman who will continue to be faithful to discipleship, who will one day be ordained as an elder or deacon in this ministry. And we thank you for all the lost that are still to come. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Be blessed as you go on your way. I want to leave.